Welcome back, Brooklyn Nets fans. We are reacting to this Suns-Nets game on Saturday night here. Nets drop it 113-107, to and it was a lot further of a score than it should have been, honestly, or a lot closer than it should not. I don't know what I'm trying to say. Anyway, the Suns were killing the Nets uh, multiple points in this game. You know, end of the third quarter, all the first half. The Nets, of course, brought it back and tried to get her hopes up. They outscored Phoenix 35-23 in the fourth quarter, but that was not enough. And um, the Nets are now 14-6 and six this year. They're still in first place in the East. And it's a weird situation because as a Nets fan, if you told me before, you know, right before the season started, we know Kyrie was not going to join the team. If you, if you told me, hey, Mike, 20 games in, the Nets will be in first place in the East with a 14-6 and six record, I would feel great about it. I would have signed up for it. would have felt great. But here's the harsh reality. The Nets are not that good against really good teams you think about the Suns the Warriors they were not really all that competitive in those games they were kind of competitive in the Suns game but not really um, they lost to Milwaukee they lost to Chicago and I think Charlotte so you look at those losses and those are against good teams and if the Nets want to make this NBA Finals run which is the goal obviously with this type of roster they may have to face the Suns or the Warriors it's very likely at this point honestly because those teams are two of the best in the NBA right now so the Nets came out in this game, and nothing really looked good from the start. I mean, Phoenix went up like 10 points right away. They were making their shots, and the Nets had no defense in the first half. The Nets' defense was basically, let's just leave a good shooter open and hope he misses. That was really the Nets' defense in the first half. It, it was disgusting. I mean, Devin Booker got every look he wanted to, and the Suns would just you know, post up DeAndre Ayton because we have no size on this team. He would just make a quick little you know, hook shot, turnaround shot easily. JaVale McGee was having a pretty nice game when he was in there. The Nets have no size, of course. Blake Griffin, another DMP. Paul Millsap is stuck in mud. He looks like he's just completely, I don't know. He just doesn't look good. I mean, Paul Millsap looks old. He looks like he's 36, however old he is. I have no idea. So I guess we'll address the elephant in the room. James Harden was just horrendous in this game. And I, I always try to be... Um, I always try to be rational, not overreact. Some people are just like, oh, we don't, we can't have James Harden anymore. The guy sucks. And I'm like, no, he doesn't suck. He just, he's off to a slow start and he's not the guy he was in Houston. But I have to say, James Harden was pitiful tonight. You'll listen to people who just look at stats and say, well, dude, he had a triple-double with 13 rebounds and 14 assists. Well, it was one of the most Mickey Mouse triple-doubles I've ever seen in my life. It, it was terrible. I mean, James Harden in the first half, had I had to be like five or six turnovers. He was throwing the ball out of bounds. He was just careless turnovers they like came out of a timeout at one point and he basically threw a, a turnover to bridges at half court he had a, a breakaway dunk it, it was awful like James Harden is so passive in this offense it's it's kind of just it's annoying to watch because we know from his Houston days how great of a scorer James Harden was there was a time where James Harden was arguably the best scorer in the NBA not too long ago back in 2018-2019 this guy was averaging like 34 points per game in a season or 36 whatever the number was it was insane and now this guy doesn't even want to shoot the damn ball and when he did shoot the ball James Harden's percentages were 4 of 15 from the field and 0 of 6 from 3 and every time James Harden shoots a damn three-point shot he he always wants to foul. He's always falling. It's, it's very rare to see James Harden shoot a three-pointer and land on his two feet and stand after. It's like he he falls more than he stands after a three-point shot. I understand the rules are like you have to let the shooter land and he's trying to play that into his favor, but refs know by now that James Harden is foul hunting. That's no surprise. Like They, they are aware of that very much. I'm sure when the NBA got together this offseason and wanted to kind of be more 
strict about these rip through moves and all that crap. James Harden and I'm sure Trey Young were the one, you know, the two guys the NBA was looking at and said, hey, we can't give those guys these calls. And, and James Harden's been suffering from it so far this year. He has been getting better lately. I will say that, but tonight was an example of you, you can't go out there against a team as great as Phoenix, who has won, I don't know, what, 14 in a row, 12 in a row, 15, whatever the hell the number is. It's great. They are a great team. You can't go out there and and scored 12 points in that game you know what I mean and he had like four points in the middle of the fourth quarter so I mean it was four points when the game really mattered like he had a, an and one at the end on McGee he had a technical foul free or a defensive three second uh, free throw in there at one point as well uh, another easy layup I think so yeah it's just he had four points in the middle of the fourth quarter it, it was a disgusting performance in a bad way because sometimes disgusting means good disgusting in a bad way performance from James Harden and he's got to be better I, he has to be more aggressive I, I'm tired of this foul hunting and being passive and throwing these careless passes and sometimes Harden makes phenomenal passes he had an early pass to DeAndre Bembry who by the way Bembry was freaking phenomenal I want to talk about him later but he had a very nice pass to Bembry earlier in this game he, you know, he does. James Harden makes really good passes sometimes, but there's also times where he throws some of these lazy lob passes that are easily intercepted, and you know, James Harden just jogs back on defense, and it's just it just brings pain to me. It really does. I don't know how else to say it. Um, you know, Patty Mills wasn't all that impressive. Three of seven, three of seven from three actually. So his only shots were three point shots, and he missed two. Very key shots in the end of this game. He could have cut it to a four-point game, I believe, and if he um, he got another one, that could have cut it to a four-point game again. So two opportunities late in the fourth quarter to cut it to a four-point game if he made a corner three. And he's been great on corner three so far this year, it feels like. And I can't really get on Patty Mills because he's been a phenomenal. I really can't say anything bad about the guy, but he was really not much of a difference maker tonight. LaMarcus Aldridge was an interesting guy because you look at him on one side of the floor on offense, and he was great. He was 8 of 12. He missed one three-point shot, but 2 of 2 from the line. But the problem with LaMarcus Aldridge, and you guys noticed this if you watched a game, he had no answer for Devin Booker, and the Suns were just always going to a switch. They were trying to switch Devin Booker onto LaMarcus Aldridge, and every time they got that, Devin Booker was scoring every single time. No exaggeration, right? So the Nets were in a point in the beginning of the third quarter where LaMarcus Aldridge like hit the Nets' first three shots in the third quarter, but also on the flip side on the defensive end, Devin Booker was getting switched on to LaMarcus Aldridge or vice versa, and Devin Booker was scoring every single time. So you have Aldridge making all these shots on offense, but you're also you know, giving up points defensively because LaMarcus Aldridge obviously can't keep up with one of the best young scorers in the NBA and Devin Booker. And that's not LaMarcus Aldridge's fault. You're not, you know, meant to guard a guy like Booker who's 25, 26, uh, you know, just very agile, one of the best scorers in the league, a great step back move. He can drive to the basket with ease. LaMarcus Aldridge at 36 and being a center is not supposed to guard that guy. It's not really his fault. I don't blame LaMarcus Aldridge for that. But, you know, Steve Nash, I was hoping would have a good game plan tonight. And we'll talk about him too. I guess we'll get to it right now. The Nets in this, this is the part that really pissed me off. Not only did I like leave my friends tonight to come watch this game. Like I, I, I live kind of far from my friends now. This is more my personal life. I drove 45 minutes back home left hanging out with my friends to go watch this game. I was very hyped up for this game basically the past few days. You know, since Thanksgiving, this game's been on my mind. You know, the Nets obviously have not beaten a great team this year. And I'm like, look, we can get this team on three days of rest. The Nets have not played since Wednesday night when they beat the Celtics pretty easily, but they had Thursday off and Friday off, right? So they had two, basically three full days off. 
and the Nets had no game plan whatsoever out here, and it, it was pretty bad. Like, Steve Nash, I don't know what he did. I don't know if he was still, like, hungover from Thanksgiving. I have no idea. What was the game plan tonight? We saw nothing, like, we saw nothing great defensively that was like, oh, that was a brilliant game plan by Steve Nash. We saw nothing like that. There were times where the Nets' defense really turned up their intensity. We saw in the end of the second quarter when the Nets cut it to a five-point game somehow. I'm still shocked that happened. And then, of course, late in the fourth quarter when, of course, Phoenix on the second half of a back-to-back, which is what I wanted to get to, Phoenix is playing the second night of a back-to-back. And the Nets had like three days off. That's where it pisses me off. And the Nets were the home team. So Phoenix just played the Knicks the previous night on Friday night. They beat them pretty easily. Then they come to Brooklyn, tired legs, and they just blow the Nets out of the building in like the first half. I know once again, it was kind of close at halftime, but once the third quarter started again, they took a massive lead. So it's just like the Nets have no excuses whatsoever. I don't care if Kyrie Irving is not here. I really, like, obviously I care, but that should not be the excuse of why the Nets lost this game. It really shouldn't. Do the, Net, do the Nets win this game with Kyrie? Maybe. I don't want to answer those questions, but maybe they do. The fact of the matter is the Nets are supposed to be finals contenders right? I think they have like one of the best odds right now, maybe the best odds to win the NBA finals this year. And you're on three days rest and Phoenix is coming off the second night of a back-to-back on the road and you can't even compete with them. So what what was Steve Nash's game plan? That's what I want to know. I don't really know most of the X's and O's in basketball. I do know a good amount, obviously, but if you said, hey, Mike, how would you shut down the Phoenix Suns? I have no freaking idea. I'm not an NBA coach. Like this is not stuff I'm supposed to know. So you know, I, I don't like Steve Nash is, is a smart guy. He's had a great NBA career. And I just don't know what Steve Nash does from like a, a scheme standpoint and what he does from like a strategy standpoint. The Nets don't have much of an identity. The Nets identity so far this year is just make your three point shots and and beat bad teams. Right. That's like been the Nets identity so far this year. Win the games you're supposed to win and make your open shots. So as I sit here right now, why should I feel great about Steve Nash being this coach that's going to make the necessary adjustments? Because we saw in that third quarter, as I mentioned, when LaMarcus Aldridge was getting torched on defense by Devin Booker, we saw Steve Nash finally call a timeout, and you figured something would change, but like nothing really changed drastically. Like You didn't see like the Nets go to like a box and one where like maybe the Nets would play zone with four guys and then put one defender, which would be DeAndre Bembry most likely on Devin Booker or something along those lines. You didn't see much change, obviously. Like they were fighting through screens more to just avoid getting Aldridge stuck on Devin Booker. But like, okay, like that's the one thing you come up with is just fighting through screens more and, and going like under the screens. Like that's what you want to do. That's how you change your philosophy. Like it's a pretty simple thing. And the Nets defense, as I mentioned, there was times they looked awful and times where they looked really good, but really what it came down to was the turnovers in this game. It's no surprise, of course, based on how bad the Nets were at holding onto the ball today. So looking at the turnovers, the Nets had 20 turnovers in this game. I think they had 15 in the first half, which is unheard of. When you're on pace for 30 turnovers, you're not going to win any games. I'm sorry. It's just not going to happen. And here was a stat from, I think it's Stat Muse. I'm pretty sure it's pronounced Stat and M-U-S-E. The Nets are four and six versus 500 teams this season. So they're the only team better than 600, you know, 600 or better um, record percentage to have a losing record versus 500 teams. So, like, then I don't know, like, I don't want to sit here and be concerned on November 27th and be like, oh, my God, the Nets are not going to get through the playoffs. There's no chance they win a championship. No, I'm not going to sit here and say those things. It's, it's still relatively early. We're only 20 games in. But the fact of the matter is that the Nets have not showed up really in games where they played elite opponents. And I don't know why. I don't know why they can't get up for these games and they do get up for the games against bad opponents. Like, I give the Nets credit for actually 
beating the teams they're supposed to beat. Like, that's pretty important, of course. You're supposed to beat the teams you're supposed to beat, and then that's handle that, right? But when you're playing the game, when you're playing these teams that are the elite groups, you know, the Warriors and the Suns and the Bucks and, and whoever else, you just don't see that sense of urgency. Like I saw on, on Yes Network, this was the largest Barclays Center crowd in like Nets history, I believe. Like this crowd came to this game and it was majority Nets fans and Kevin Durant was getting a large amount of MVP chance and I was happy to hear that, of course, but like this crowd is ready to see a great performance from the Nets. Like not, not like a great, but like an all-time, like, you know, beat the Suns by 30 type shit, but like just put on a good show and like actually compete out the gate and not be down by 15 points in the first quarter, be down by 20 in the second quarter. Like no one came there to see that. And I'm sure there were some Suns fans there because look, it's a great, it's a great perform. It's a great, you know, two really good teams going against each other. One team's on that massive win streak, of course. And as I'm sitting here watching the Nets turnovers now, it's just embarrassing. I mean, it really is that, that play where James Johnson and, and James Harden, just somehow knocked a ball out of bounds that was an uncontested rebound that's what really set me over the edge like I was at a point where I tweeted earlier that like I never turn off Nets games early I never turn off Giants games early I don't do that I I hate to do that as a fan because I I fear of missing out on special things like you know the Kings game in 2019 when D'Angelo and the Nets came back 28 down in the fourth quarter Uh, even the Suns game last year when James Harden and Jeff Green had that great comeback at Phoenix, we've seen great Nets comebacks in the past, so I don't want to turn off Nets games early. But when James Johnson and, and and James Harden knocked a ball out of bounds on an uncontested rebound, that's what it was like, oh my gosh, are you kidding me? Like some of the stuff, it's like, okay, you know, maybe the defense fooled you there. Maybe you got caught in the air and didn't want to come down with the ball and have it be a, a travel. I get all that. But like that, that's what you're doing? Like you're just, you're, you're basically trying to pad your stats and you're going to just fight with your teammate over a rebound and have it go out of bounds like that's so it's so avoidable that's it, it was really concerning like I hated seeing that um all right let's get to some good stuff I guess Kevin Durant was great he played 45 minutes but put up 39 points nine rebounds seven assists four steals one block five turnovers so so KD was great and you know it wasn't like the most efficient game it was 13 of 28 we've seen KD have just ridiculous efficiency all season, but 28 shots is a lot. Obviously, that was like Kobe on the Lakers type stuff. Um, but yeah, Kevin Durant was a bright spot, of course. And DeAndre Bembry, I have to say, I mean, I don't know what his numbers were exactly against um, against Devin Booker, but he was really good on defense, Bembry. And the way he cuts, it's like very reminiscent of like Bruce Brown. And not saying Bruce Brown's a thing of the past, but right now Bruce Brown's not getting the minutes that, you know, Bembry's getting Bembry played 35 minutes tonight and Bruce Brown had five now is part of that because Bruce Brown missed a previous handful of games with a hamstring injury possibly but I do think a lot of it is because Bembry is right now playing a lot better and Bembry's a better fit for this team and maybe Bruce Brown's just not that same guy he was last year or something I have no idea Bruce Brown hasn't really impressed me all that much the floaters he has when they go in, they look cool, but they're not really a high percentage shot. Um, his three-point shot has looked better this year, but Bruce Brown has not been to a point where you're like, oh, you can't bench that guy. You know, he hasn't been to that level yet. So Bembry has clearly been better. Bembry was 9 of 11 from the field, had six, um, had nine rebounds, sorry, nine rebounds, one assist, two steals, had a plus eight, plus minus, one of the few guys who had a plus in their plus minus here for the Nets tonight. The only other guy actually with a positive plus minus was James Johnson, plus 14. And James Johnson even had a frustrating game. Like he was really good on defense and, and switching once again, because James Johnson, as I mentioned, 
in one of my previous Nets videos is great because he can switch on anybody. He can guard all five positions, James Johnson. But James Johnson did have a lot of like easy missed layups that just rimmed out. And like it was frustrating. Like the Nets needed those baskets, and then like it kept rimming, rimming out for him, and it was just it was annoying. So, you know, James Johnson wasn't horrible. Three for seven, uh, three of seven from the field, had six rebounds in this one. So, yeah, it, it wasn't like a great game, but it wasn't terrible either. Just had some couple easy misses in there that he probably wishes he can get back. But really, what this comes down to is James Harden and the Nets' like inability to show up against these great teams. You know, James Harden. If, if James Harden played the way he's supposed to play, the Nets probably win this game. You know, if James Harden doesn't throw a stupid amount of turnovers and shoots better than 0 of 6 from 3 and better than 4 from 15 from the field and is more aggressive on offense, then yeah, maybe the Nets actually win this game. So it starts with James Harden. I think Steve Nash is probably a problem tonight because once again, I don't know everything about the X's and O's and how to beat the Phoenix Suns myself, but for Steve Nash to not even have like a decent game plan coming into this with three days off is not what you want to see, of course. And you know, Paul Millsap's a guy I can blame because he looks washed right now, but really those are the main problems. You know, James Harden looked bad tonight. Steve Nash had no game plan, and the Nets had a crazy amount of turnovers and played no defense at certain points in this game, and they can't compete against elite teams. So when does that start to change? Is it going to be January, December, February, March, April? Like, when, when do the Nets actually start to compete against really good NBA opponents? Like, coming up here, as I always go over the schedule... They play the Knicks on Tuesday. Nets are home for that one, but it'll probably be a Knicks home game based on the fan base there. Um, Nets play the Timberwolves after that. They play Chicago next Saturday. So, I mean, look, they're home in that one as well. That's one where, like, okay, maybe they can beat a good Chicago team. I, I would hope they can get them the second time around this year because they that's actually the second night of a back-to-back. So the Nets actually play the Timberwolves on a Friday and play the Bulls on Saturday. So maybe they, you know, bench one of their superstars in that Friday game or something. I have no idea. I don't know if you consider the Bulls an elite team. They are very good this year, and they're, like, fun. And now they have Lonzo and DeRozan. Like, you know, maybe they're actually pretty good. And Vucevic, who I think might be out. I forget, honestly. But, um... Like, they're fun, but I don't know if I consider them, like, in that Warriors and Suns range, but you know, sure, maybe you can say that. Okay, so next Saturday, a week from now, can the Nets go out there and beat a Chicago Bulls team when they're the home team coming off the second night of a back-to-back? That's what I want to see. You know, they play the Denver Nuggets December 19th. They play the Sixers on December 16th. Like, they'll, they'll get their shot here with good teams coming up. But the closest one here is Chicago. You don't want to have look-ahead games. You know, obviously, you want to take care of the Knicks on Tuesday. You want to take care of Minnesota on Friday. You don't want to look ahead too far. But as a fan, I'm just I'm, I'm curious. Like, when's the next time we get a shot at one of these good teams? You know, that's, that's what I want to look for right now. So it's been really frustrating. And... You know, as for Blake Griffin, I want to talk about that too. Second night in a row of a DMP coach's decision. Um, I think right now it's just this might have been a good game for Blake Griffin, but maybe not because Blake Griffin, I feel like at times has not been great against guards. Like, do you think do you think Blake Griffin would have done a good job on Devin Booker? Like, I don't think so. Would he have done a better job than LaMarcus Aldridge on defense against Booker? Yes, but wouldn't be that much better. You know, not not enough to warrant playing Griffin based on how he's been offensively. He's been a, a, a no non-factor offensively this year, Blake Griffin. So it's tough to play a guy like that. So I do like Blake's energy and, you know, the way he takes charges and all those things and sometimes plays a good defense. But um, he's been such a, a non-factor once again offensively. You can't really justify playing a guy like that. So 
I don't want to make any hot takes and be like, oh, the Nets can't win a finals without Kyrie Irving. But I'm telling you, it would it would help a lot. I really think the Nets in my heart, I do think the Nets win this game without Kyrie. I will say. I was trying to avoid that earlier, but look, I, I think they do. So, yeah, I don't know where they go from here. Yeah, hopefully they take care of business the next couple matchups here with the Knicks and Timberwolves and get back at it next Saturday against Chicago. You know, you're the home team once again. And I don't know if they'll be favored or what. Yeah, it would like usually with the Nets, I have a pretty good feel about like just like the vibes going into that game. Like I did not feel great about the Nets winning this game tonight. Obviously, I would have loved to have been proven wrong. There's a lot of times I feel the same way about the Giants, how I don't feel great going into those games, and sometimes they win, and it feels great. But with the Nets here, it was like I wasn't feeling confident that the Nets were going to take care of business. Sometimes I have like a, you know just a funny feeling of like okay, like the Nets, I think are going to have a good game tonight, and they they're going to go out there and beat the Phoenix Suns or whoever, and I just didn't really have that feeling tonight, so I was hoping for a close and competitive game, I kind of got it based on the final score, but man, in the second quarter to be down by 20 at home and have the home crowd get out of it, um, it was bad, so yeah, I'm disappointed obviously, and uh, things gotta get better, that's it, you know, it's, it's still November once again, I don't want to get too crazy, but I don't know. It's frustrating, and I was hoping for a better performance out here. Like, even if the Nets, like, you know, let's say the Nets were up 20 and blew a 20-point lead. I feel like I would have felt better about that because at least they would have shown at one point in the game where, hey, they can really go out there and, and dominate, not dominate, but, like, really play well against an elite team. But in this game, it was more of, like, they were always down in this game. The Nets, like, never had a lead in this game, it felt like. And they were always playing catch-up, and sometimes they would cut up to five points or seven points or ten points, you know, but they never had a lead in this game, so I kind of wish they, like, blew a 20-point lead, if that makes any sense, because, right, like, right now, we just don't know if the Nets can beat these elite teams. Like, they can be, like, on paper, the, the Nets have a good roster. We know that. Like, they can beat anybody, but for some reason, against these great teams, we have not seen it so far, so I don't know what's missing. I don't know if it's James Harden being too passive. I don't know if it's the turnovers. Like, I kind of want to go back now and watch all the games against the elite teams and know, like, what went wrong in those matchups. Like, I remember the Warriors game. It was more of, like, the Nets were not shooting well. They shot, like, under 30% from three, and Steph Curry was making every shot. Like, that was the main problem, of course, and the Nets were getting severely out-rebounded in that game as well. So, like, there's reasons they lose these games, of course. I can't really see, like, a common denominator as to why they can't beat these elite teams it's not like it's simple of like oh well they are just not boxing out the right way or oh they're not um they're not shooting the ball well like I feel like it's a different thing every time so you know I I do hope that with the basketball minds they have on this team with Kevin Durant being around forever and James Harden and Steve Nash being in the league forever and being a coach now in year two I, I hope they really can figure this out because I just think this team is too good to not compete with really good teams like I do think at some point this year the Nets will beat a good team, which, yeah, it's crazy to say that. I get it. But still, I think at some point they'll figure this out and hopefully we look back on this and say, oh, remember that funny point? Remember that funny point in the season early when they couldn't beat good teams? That was a good time. Like, you know, that was funny. Hopefully we can look back on that and laugh at it. But right now it's kind of a serious matter because we have not seen it yet. So, you know, and it's also funny because in that Warriors game, I'm just remember, I'm remembering this now. Steph Curry had like five fouls in the early or, or four fouls in the early third quarter. They took him out, and the Warriors still went on the run. And it's kind of a similar thing happened here because Devin Booker had four fouls somewhat early in this game, and like the Suns really didn't like give up much. I feel like I could be wrong. Maybe that was the time the, Net, uh, the Nets went on a run. I forget. Actually, yes, I'm wrong because I remember when Booker was out, the Nets made that run in the fourth quarter. So that is incorrect, but still. Um, yeah, I mean Devin Booker just had his way all night, and it was just too easy for him. 
Um, I guess shout out to, to Suns fans. You know, you guys played well and you have a great team. Shout out to Landry Shamit getting a win against his former team. What did Javon Carter do tonight? You know, speaking of that trade, Javon played three minutes and did nothing. So one turnover. Um, so yeah, I mean, congrats to Shamit and Suns fans out there. Great team. And I do hope we get to see the Suns in, in June at some point. I do. I'll sign up for that. Obviously, I'll sign up to be in the finals against anybody, but um, that would be fun. So we'll see what happens as the year goes on, and uh, hopefully number 11 is playing for the Nets at that point. So we'll find out. Anyway, I hope you guys enjoyed this video. It was kind of a long rant, but I had to because tonight was just uh, a lot of stuff had to get off my chest about this game and the nets in general so uh, once again i'll be making a podcast for my nets content at some point and uh when i do that i will let you guys know so if you guys enjoyed this video hopefully we beat the knicks on tuesday and i'll talk to you guys next time